Welcome to Splinters, courtesy of The Bench, your Friday night sports fix. Available online and replayed on Triple H 100.1 FM. Now, here's your host, the Sultan, Tony Dosen. Yes, my name is Tony Dosen, the Sultan. Welcome to another edition of Splinters on Triple H 100.1 FM, online at www.triplehfm.com.au on a Tuesday night. And via podcast at podcasts.com wherever you get your podcasts and that includes Spotify, iTunes, TuneIn, etc. In this episode we look at the final part of the death, decline, demise, life support of Sydney A-grade Park Rugby League. It's well documented that one of the two districts that we've discussed in previous episodes with Terry Liberopoulos, Steve Woodley and Andy Patterson is Penrith. Alongside South Sydney, one of the two districts that still has an A grade. It's only fair we look at their perspective, what they're doing right, what challenges they uh, have in coming months and years, particularly in the light of recent Sydney Shield announcements. And who else to discuss this with but a man with his nose very close to the ground, his uh, ear very much pointed to the sky and uh, very much smelling which way the wind blows, the right way, the wrong way when it comes to all things rugby league in the Penrith district. Our great friend from Hawkesbury Radio, the big fella, Nick Kutnyak, and he with me uh, for this episode of Splinters. Welcome aboard your Splinters debut. Well, Tony, it's a pleasure to be on the show. And of course, I've listened to the three parts so far. Very different opinions with all three, of course. I found it interesting listening to what Terry Liberopoulos said a few weeks ago. And I agree with some things he said, disagree with a couple of things. And I know at some stage during this podcast, we will talk about the idea of possibly going down a subbies track down the future because that's probably where we're going to end up because the Penrith competition, yes, it looks successful from the outside, but you talk to the people on the inside, it's not as good as what it looks. Okay, well, let's hit that straight up, first up. Currently at the moment, take us through the structure of the Penrith A-grade competition. Other people in other districts will probably weep when they hear of this competition structure because it's something that they would give their left you-know-what and maybe their right you-know-what as well to have in their districts. So the key thing with it is that the A-grade competition, the Division 1, has seven teams in there currently and it's great, but all seven teams must run a reserve grade side. Now, that is something that's set in stone, which some people are not happy about, and that's the reason why that a certain club has moved across to the Ron Massey Cup's initial next season is because what's the point of having a team in reserve grade and A grade if it's not working for them in terms of other things? And one of the big problems that we've had in the competition is the fact that you're paying so much money for a competition that's probably not worth that much, and also the fact that There's no movement. Every game has to be played at 2.30 on a Sunday afternoon in A grade. In Division 1, has to be played at that time. And Reserve grades played at about 1pm because it's 35 minutes each way. And that is a big issue to some of the clubs on the inside. Now we have got, of course, a Div 2, a Div 3 competition. And then you've got your C grade competition as well, which is great because that is a great development course. And you've got your 17s and you've got the other grades. And they're the feeders. And they're the feeders up to the A grade. And they work. And as you can see, uh, it's something that every club likes. 
likes the fact that it's there. But you look at the competition now, and the Div 1 competition. We've got seven teams in there. St. Clair, by far, are the team that beat the competition this year. And they've been successful for the last couple of years. And they've been one of the, the teams that have always been there. Now, And they were aside a club that had to battle against the likes of St. Mary's, against Penrith Brothers, against even Blacktown Workers when they were in the Penrith A-grade competition not so many years ago before they moved out into the Rod Massey Cup and Sydney shoot. And that was what I was just going to say because they have played against Brothers and let's remember 2017 because Brothers were the team that beat. They won every single game. Grand final day, St. Clair lapped them up and it was a great performance by them too. And they've been the ones that have always been there and thereabouts and that's why they are the competition leaders. But again, they're paying overs for players and we'll get to that in a second because paying for players overs in this competition is being the catalyst for a lot of teams moving away from the Div 1 competition. Glenmore Park, again, it's good to see them having a successful season. They did last year. They lost the grand final last year against the Windsor Wolves. And, again, it looks like they'll make the grand final again. St. Patrick's, they're always a club that's going to be in the Blacktown competition. They feel that, oh, within the Penrith competition, but uh, representing Blacktown, they love it. They, they love being in that competition, and they're not going to move away from it. And they've got a great ground, and Morant's Lane now works well for them. And it seems like everything's on the up for them. While That's the got... synthetic ground, the mm. multi-million dollar synthetic yes. ground that was opened late in 2018. Yes, and it's worked so well. And then you've got the other teams that will just be there. Cambridge Park, Colton, Emu Plains and Blacktown Workers. They're back in the competition, yet again, another unsuccessful year for them in any grade. And you look at the New South Wales Cup side, we know what the issues they've got there. We know what the issues are with the Ron Massey Cup side. And we're seeing that with the A grade and the A reserve. And the male is, is that and the male is, is that Blacktown Workers may leave the A grade and go back into Sydney Shield next year because they were under a misunderstanding that the Sydney Shield was not even going to take place in twenty eight in 2019. And now, with the move of the Windsor Wolves coming back, we could have as many as 14 teams in the Sydney Shield in 2020. But that's another story for another time. But with Blacktown workers possibly moving on and certainly... The big news that has broken, we broke it on the bench, you broke it on your Sports Watch program recently. The Windsor Wolves are coming back. After that three year hiatus in the wilderness where they won a Penrith A grade competition, the Windsor Wolves are coming back into the Ron Massey Cup in Sydney Shield and are walking away for the upteenth time from the Penrith A-grade competition in 2020. And it's a sad reality, but that's just the way it is. Windsor this year went to the C-grade competition because they felt, and you can understand, that the A-grade, you're putting so much money into it, and why? And why when you're not getting the uh, desserts? Last year, they won the competition. For them, it's like, yeah, we won the comp, but... What did we gain out of it? We, we we lost money by paying all these players. And they had a great side last year. That was Ron Massey Cup-esque. You think about the fact they had Pat Hollis in the side, Jake Lewis. They always had Dean Barron. These are players now carving up for their respective Pat sides. Hollis playing, Massey and Sydney Shield. Uh, Pat, Pat Hollis, uh, taking you a step further, Pat Hollis played for the New South Wales Pioneers uh-huh. in their match against the Queensland Rangers. That's the standard he's reached in 2019. Exactly right. And, and he's one player that will go back to Windsor because he's born and bred Windsor Wolves and he will stay at the club because that's where he feels he needs to be. He's doing great things at St Mary's now and it's a shame that Windsor had to let go of these players because they had to go back a step or two and into the C-grade competition. But 
for them, it's all about next year. They're pr- planning already for 2020. Ron Massey Cup Sydney Shield. And one thing they really want, and this is what is great about the New South Wales Rugby League, we, we do have our issues with them about other stuff. But one thing you've got to give them credit for is the fact that they don't control when games are played. And for Windsor, they believe that Saturday nights is where it's going to work for them, work for the players, and work for everybody. Now, as I said before, Penrith have this stringent thing that games have to be at Sunday and set times. And that's where we've got issues, and that's where the Windsor Wolves have gone, this is great. And also the fact that there's always been the questionability of the referees of the competition, and we know that's always going to be an issue. And the other thing that's is That's always going to be an issue and, and at, at, well, junior, at junior level because the, their best are up mm. in the junior reps and they're up refereeing mm. in Shield and in Massey Cup. And the other thing is, too, the fact that you don't have videoing. Now... Penrith don't video games anymore except for finals matches and I think that's a great travesty. Games need to be videoed especially if there's any incidents like we've seen in past years and that's that's the uh, the reasons behind a couple of the reasons What about why they the cost? Move. You mentioned the cost now and this was brought up in other episodes of the death of the A grade or the demise of the A grade, the clubs with money against the clubs that don't. It's no different. In fact, it's even more marked in the Penrith district. St Mary's, rightly or wrongly, unfairly or fairly, whichever way you look at it, depending on what side of the fence you're on, have been demonised as the big bad boogeyman of the Penrith district because they have the money to not only pay their players well, but pay for nearly all uh, insurance and gear requirements for nearly all of their grades from the top down. That has built resentment. That has built the divide between the haves and the have-nots. But St Mary's aren't the only club that pay their players, as you w- well know. You've just mentioned Windsor. They pay their players. They all do if A-grade. And they all do in A-grade. Now, well, what is the going rate from what you're hearing on the ground in the A-grade? Well, it depends on... If the clubs... That's what the clubs tell you, depending. Well, it depends also on how much they're uh, worth paying these players. At the moment, St. Clair are paying a lot of money for players. I don't know the exact figures, but it is probably up towards that 1,000 even more per game. You've got to remember also, they still go by the old system. That's enormous money for Park A-grade But they also go off the system about wins and losses and how much you get as a added bonus for a win. So I, I, you could say all up, it could be $1,000 per player every week, but it depends on if they win or lose. And that's the situation. So let's that say it's $1,000 a win and maybe $200 or something for a loss. Yeah. That's something what we're looking at as a possible that's rule the possibility. of thumb. That's the possibility. And, and it's fair in that aspect because I understand that You've you got to pay your players because otherwise what's the point of playing now? But, again, the standard... Well, that's another debate because there are players that still play for the for the love of the game, perhaps in the lower divisions, which we'll come to in a moment. Which which you can understand, but at the same time, you, how much do you think you should be paying to run two sides in the A1 competition? And, and that's A1 reserves and A1 the main comp. Well, if you take a line through the Ron Massey Cup and Sydney mm-hmm. Shield where it costs you... Well, there's a salary cap for a start and then cost on top of that where the, the a Ron Massey Cup and Sydney Shield combined organisation would cost a club, let's say, $300,000 well, for a season to put both of those teams out on the field, pay it, Payments, uh, player payments, insurance, and all other miscellaneous costs, all rolled up into one. You're looking at three hundred, maybe even four hundred thousand dollars. Say, would you pay half the money in the A grade comp that they're currently paying, the one hundred fifty thousand? That's questionable. 
Mm-hmm. And that's the question mark. Exactly, exactly where the issue is. It's roughly around about that to run an A-grade side. Is it worth it? Probably not, especially a seven competition. That's remarkable. It's around about that. Yeah. It's around about that. That's that's a rough figure. Let's say if it's even. Let's say it's, let's say it's even a hundred thousand dollars. It should be fifty. It should realistically, realistically be fifty. Some of these clubs clearly, against the likes of a Sinclair or a, a, a Penrith Brothers in the past or a St Mary's in the past. That's a heck of a lot of chook raffles. That's a heck of a lot of door knocking. That's a heck of a lot of begging and contra to sponsors uh, year in, year out. And for what? Exactly. I, I just, I don't get it. And, and I don't think a lot of people get it, but it's just the way the system's gone. Penrith do a lot of good things, right? The, 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 the competition... It helps to have the biggest junior nursery in Australia and, 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 also, and all these players and families at your disposal. And also, the other thing that always people forget, because Penrith never was a group system, it was an A-grade system. So A that district made, system. Yes, a district system. A district system, if you want to put it that way. That's where they still have the sustainability of having that competition, because Realistically, if you want to look at the old, you can you can sort of say Penrith side Campbelltown, and that's where Penrith survived. Just like Campbelltown in the Group Six competition, they continue to go well because they've still got that community where it's sort of metropolitan, but it starts to be provincial and starts to be country, and that's where it rolls up well in that area. It's same in Penrith, and that's why those two are always going to be successful, and that's why you're going to have issues with Manly and Norse is because they don't really have that. And you can say the same thing about Parramatta. And a lot of other districts now in Sydney, Mm -hmm. um, especially where, as Terry Liberopoulos touched on, the dynamic of the Penrith district Mm -hmm. with young families and younger working class Mm -hmm. uh, individuals moving out to that district, moving away from the inner city, Mm -hmm. moving away from the gentrification because that's where the housing is relatively cheapest. Mm -hmm. That's where... The rugby league will probably survive because you have that culture in those families, in that setup, in that system. We go as far north as the Hawkesbury, then you go as far as south around that London area where you start getting teams. And of course, you go as west as, you know, you're really going to the lower Katoomba. mountains, even Katoomba in some respects. And then you go as far east as Blacktown, and that's where you've got your area. And that's a massive area. You think about that. That is a remarkable area. And. That's where they get the advantage. Blacktown's always That's been bigger back. than a lot of Queensland yeah. country towns. And, and Blacktown's one of those interesting areas too because it's always been, do you put it as part of Paramount? Do you put it as part of Penrith? And it's an in-between area where they've just gone towards Penrith because that's the way it's always been. And that's and, the, and they've always and, been that and way. That's, and they are situated that side of the Great Western Highway, which yep. is the Great Divide, which is the map that was drawn up all those years ago to work out which district was which. Yep, and even now that the fact that some patch are playing really at Kellyville, that, that's where they're based, where you could really say that's sort of nearly Parramatta territory, but still they're part of the Blacktown competition and they're thriving. And, and, and it's great that... Everything is going right in this neck of the woods, but the worry about what's going to happen going forward about the A grade is the fact now we've got four teams in Ron Massey and Sydney. Shore. And I was coming to that. With Windsor now making the step back and the return in 2020, back to Ron Massey Cup and Sydney Shield, and with the mooted uh, move of the Blacktown workers back into the Sydney Shield now that we know that the New South Wales Rugby League is going to run that Sydney Shield comp at least for the interim term after, ironically, the Penrith Junior League have allegedly told the New South Wales Rugby League upon approach, uh, no, we're busy running our own competition. We're not going to run yours as well. Mm-hmm. Um, with Blacktown going back to Shield and Windsor coming back, four 
teams from the Penrith District now will have a Ron Massey and Sydney Shield representation in 2020. St Mary's, Penrith Brothers, Blacktown Workers and now Windsor. Where are the players going to come from unless they're imported from outside to fill eight teams of that quality over and above what is already there in the Penrith district left behind? The other worry is too, and what everybody forgets as well, is the fact that you've got that crossover with Hills for Windsor, for instance, right? Because you've got players that do come across to the Hills District balls. It's only a stone's throw away, to be brutally honest. And then you've also got the fact that you've still got Winnie nearby. You've got Mount Pritchard still fairly close, and even Cabramatta in some respects. So you've effectively got eight teams in the Sydney Shield, Ron Massey, that are playing the Western side. You could have a Western Conference soon. Almost. In fact, you might not call it a Ron Massey Cup and Sydney Shield. You might as well call it a Western Cup and a Western Shield. Yeah. So the question is, yes, it's the great nursery for players, but you can only go back to the well so often. Yeah, and I don't know where they're going to get players because... Players are going somewhere else now. They're all playing different sports. And also, we keep on saying that weekends are still working weeks. They're still working weeks for a lot of people. So how are you going to get these people to play games, especially if it's worth playing? Well, if you're playing a competition of a decent standard, the Ron Massey Couple Sydney Shield, Mm. then it's worth playing. And then it comes back to the matter of money. Some clubs have clearly said, okay, let's pay the players overs to keep them and stop them going to other sports. Hence, the $1,000 for a win, which is almost absurdly high. Collegians in the Wollongong Illawarra competition uh, are paying that much. Uh, a couple of clubs out uh, in you know, Picton Thirlme are paying that much in opposition uh, to that. It's a very competitive uh, environment. But you've got to also look at the players that are playing those competitions. Uh, you go back to Group 6. A couple of years ago, I caught a Group 6 match uh, for MacArthur Sports and... and I'm calling a guy that I was watching playing New South Wales Cup back in 2010, Aaron Sweeney. Yeah. And you look at that, you go to yourself, wow, what about that? And they're getting the quality of players. Is that a good thing? Yes, it is a good thing in terms of getting players still going back to playing those competitions. But at the same time, and I think we both agree that how much can you pay these players or how much are players really worth? They're not worth that much. So you get back to the A-grade situation and the fear that is now... Um, been shared quietly, you're telling me, whispered in Penrith League circles. With Windsor going, okay, what's going to be left of the A-grade competition? Which players are going to be left behind after after um, Windsor depart? I don't know. I don't know who is there left to play in the competition. I, I really think, I think St. Clair is going to continue their dominance in this comp. And in all due respect, they probably should. But I don't know where the other teams are. And I don't know how long Glenmore Park can sustain being in that position and being second on the ladder and being a second best side of the competition. I don't know how long they've got. Blacktown Workers, they're saying they're going again. It really makes the comp a little bit farcical. And also the fact that we're going to have a 16 comp next year. 16 comp, yes. I know that Manly North's had a 16 competition and they did that for But that was slightly years. different because the Manly North 16 comp, mm. that was all they had. Yeah. <laughs> but that was all that was left. But we have a situation where we've got five teams in A2s or A3s and, and that's probably not, it's not worth it. It's not worth it. Okay, we'll discuss solutions in the second part mm. of the program shortly, but uh, we move on then to... Uh, 
why Windsor are leaving the A-grade competition again for the upteenth time. There was an unofficial rumour, there were things bandied about in whispered circles that Windsor didn't play in the A-grade competition for the official reason that uh, they wanted to just develop their C-grade and it wasn't worth their mm-hmm. finances to put a team in the A-grade. Mm-hmm. It was really about some unpaid debts to the Penrith Junior Rugby League over yeah. a period of time. That has not been confirmed or denied by anyone. Uh, that rumour ended up being swept under the carpet pretty quickly. What did you hear about that? But look, the other thing is too, if, if it is true that that happened, the New South Wales Rugby League would have known about this by now because it probably would have been requests in previous years if they wanted to rejoin the comp. Obviously, this is the first time they've really wanted to rejoin since the end of 2016. And if the New South Wales Rugby League feel that they have the finances and they've done what they need to do to make sure that they're in the comp next, the next year, I think that's a silver approval. Really, that's a silver approval. Yes, you've got other people saying this has happened. It might have, might have not. But also, you got to remember, there's a restructure now with the Windsor Wolves board. So I was coming who to was that there because, before yeah. mm. is now no longer there, and the finances are in the right shape of where the club is, and they're happy where they are, and they feel for next year they can be strong in two competitions of great class. New South Wales Rugby League, Sydney Shield, Ron Massey. Well, then they believe they've got the finances and the new. South Wales Rugby League say yes tick of approval well you can't deny that can you how important then is it that you need to have your uh, things sorted out off the field from what you're implying there were problems certainly we were hearing that Windsor financially were in some trouble as recently as 2017 which was the year after they uh, bailed out of the Ron Massey Cup in Sydney Shield the last time they were in the competition yes certainly they had uh, problems with uh, 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 some players they had problems with getting players involved in those competitions um, and getting numbers frankly towards the end of their time in the Sydney Shield the last time they were in in 2016 from what you're hearing, why is this time going to be different? I think it's different now because it's a different board and it's a different meaning. They they want to go back to the housing days. They want to be there where they were back in, really, from 05 to about 2013, where everything was going up. And, yes, we can talk about the New South Wales Cup, and that was successful when they were hosting the side in those five years or so or whatever when they were the feeder side to Penrith and it was great and it was great for them but even back in the days of the Ron Massey Cup when or the old Bundy Cup as it was called yep. we had players like Ben Stewart ripping up yep. and, and and it was a great days for them and and you think about the talent that's come across wins around about t- that time as well besides Ben Stewart you had Tricky Trindle absolutely and Craig Trindle, yes. and Craig Trindle was still Darryl the club Tr- uh, Darryl Trindle Craig Trindle yes Sorry, yeah, not, yeah. The, the, the cousin or brother of Darryl yeah, Trindle and he played, he played a game for Penrith too I think it was 08 or 07. Yep. But he was a main stalwart at the Windsor Wolves and he was one of the great guns. And, and they had a great team back then. And they also had that community sport, support. And that's what was lacking the last couple of years. Coming back to the A grade, and even, even when they dropped back from the New South Wales Cup to Ron Massey and the Sydney Shield, the community spirit waned. Now they want to bring that back. They want to be deep a part of that community. And that's what people... Well, how are they going to go about doing it? Do they well, go back in, into the schools? Do they go back as... What we've discussed with Terry and Steve and and, uh, and in earlier episodes where 
you go back to the schools, you reconnect with the community, you make it tribal again, and you get back into that grassroots, and that's how you're going to get players back and kids back to the game. Yeah, exactly right. And it is a, it is a challenge as well, too, with the Windsor Wolves in terms of that junior... Apologies athlete. to Andy, of course, yeah. from Barrow in episode yeah. one. But also, it's a, a junior Part level, and, and you can understand this as well. Windsor's now got a little bit of a fight in terms of the fact that you've got a new club on the rise, and that's the London Dairy Greys, and they're doing a fantastic job. Yes, they're sort of based in Penrith, but they're sort of Hawkesbury, really, and it's one of those uh, dicey areas, because realistically, I think a lot of the Hawkesbury do claim London Dairy part of it, uh, and they're doing great things, the London Dairy Greys, and Buck Rogers is doing a, a fantastic and it's, job. And it's someone who's experienced and as old school as Graham Buck Rogers, great to see that he's not lost to the system with all that he brings to the table uh, from his time with the Canberra Raiders and with Penrith, etc., etc. Now, you mentioned that community uh, engagement. What about the clubs then that are left behind when Windsor go in 2020? Assuming we're only going to have a six-team competition. How do they connect? Does the Penrith Junior League need to relax the rules about oh, yes. having... And a reserve grade component, do they need to relax a couple of other things? We're going to go into more detail after the break, but how do they? How do the other clubs stay connected with their kids in their communities now that their base is, let's face it, eroded by these clubs playing in Ron Massey and Sydney Shield? The other thing is, too, what, what everybody forgets with these clubs that are now in the A-grade comp, most of them don't actually have cob houses. Like, you, you think about it that way. Most, most of these clubs, St. Clair don't really have a clubhouse. Glenmore Park don't. St. Patrick's, not really. Mm. And they don't even have the old system because you got to remember, St. Pat's, like brothers of old, St. Pat's came from the school system. They came from the Patricia and Brothers Blackdown system. Hence yeah. the colours, the blue and the yellow, that's the St. Pat's colours yeah. because yeah. of Patricia and Brothers Blacktown. Yeah. And then you look at the other aspect too. Well, really, none of those clubs have clubhouses besides Blacktown workers this year. And that's going to that's gonna be the biggest challenge of where the money's going to come from and also trying to get that interaction for people over the age of 18. Juniors, I don't know how you, you, you get juniors. I think that's that's really something NRL needs to work with the Penrith district and then work with the, the clubs in the district. That's how it has to work, but they haven't done that yet. Well, that's another story altogether as to how the NRL... Uh connect. I mean, that's a separate Wikipedia episode. That's a separate episode of Splinters, almost infected Splinters, if we really want to get down to the tintax of the building of um, layers of bureaucracy for the billion dollars or the hundreds of millions of dollars that the NRL have got uh, from television rights. So let me get this right before we take the break. Uh, we know that Windsor are going to leave and so we're back to a six-team competition. Is there any of the other clubs beneath the A1 system, the first division system, ready to put a second team in and step up into that first division in 2020 and beyond, or unlikely? You want the perfect answer? No. <laughs> seriously. Well, that's what we're here for. We're, we're not here to flower to flower things or sugarcoat things. That's, we're here to tell it like it is. That's the reality. Yeah, like I don't think the London Dairy Greys can move up this early. I think it's their third year, and I, I think it'll be very early for them to even contemplate a possibility of having an A-grade side in Div 1. Could happen in the future. I can't see sides like Doonside ever returning back to the A-grade comp. 
And, 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 and that's sad because I think the inside was there for a long time, but I, I don't think they'll come back. I don't think Rudy Hill will also be anywhere near it. So I don't think there's anybody that wants to make the step up. And also, is it worth their love? Uh, is it worth paying that money? No. Is it worth paying overs for players that, in all due respect, are average? No. No, it's not. Do these clubs have the money, though? That's the no. other thing. And that's the thing. They don't have the money. And I think that the teams that are currently in the A-grade comp and that are not tied up with Ron Massey Cup and Sydney Shield, they're the best teams we've got in, in terms of finances. We're, they're probably the best teams. The ones that are in the A1's uh, yeah. competition now because they are able to pay players yeah. and put a second A-grade yeah. team uh, out on the field. All right, then. It's time to take a break because we'll come back and discuss solutions, the future, and uh, where you, Nick, see things in two, five, or ten years' time. And I know you've got some very strong opinions on that uh, along the lines of what we discussed with Terry Liberopoulos in our last episode on the death of the A-grade. That's coming up right after this break on Splinters. It's time to hit the ice. Your All About Caring Sydney Bears are back for the 2019 Australian Ice Hockey League season with all the speed, hits and goals that ice hockey is famous for. Buy a season ticket package to ensure you're not left out in the cold as your Bears rip and tear with the aim of going one better on last year to claim the 2019 Good All Cup. Log on to bearsden.com.au for all your season ticket and merchandise options. And for the latest Bears news and updates, tune in to The Bench every Friday from 6pm. Sydney Bears, hear us roar. Sponsors of Triple H. Yes, welcome back to Splinters. My name is Tony Dosen, the Sultan, and the head of Hawkesby Radio uh, Sport, Nick Kutnyak, is with me. We're discussing the Western view, the Penrith view, as to what's happening with A-grade and Junior Rugby League in 2019, 2020 and beyond. Let's talk about juniors uh, then, straight up after the break, before we look at where things are going uh, A-grade-wise in future years. Every other district in Sydney looks on with envy mm-hmm. at the Penrith Junior League and all of these junior numbers and these multiple competitions and they dream in their uh, dreams at night about having the numbers that the Penrith Junior League has. You're at the coalface, you're at the ground level at the Penrith Junior League. What's your take on it all? Well, kids have to do something and, and parents have to put them into some sport. Rugby league's always been the sport in the West and, and, and always will be the sport in the West. I know the AFL has tried, I know football tries and, and yes, you get good numbers in those sports but rugby league is the one that everybody goes back to because it's what the parents grew up with, it's what the grandparents grew up with and, and it goes back and back and back. And, and it also, goes back to these parents moving out to the west of Sydney from the inner part of Sydney that have rugby league in their culture. Unlike what Terry Liberopoulos brought up in recent episodes, people who don't have rugby league in their culture moving into metropolitan inner Sydney. The other thing as well, too, is that you got Penrith and Parramatta. When you have those two teams, and, and again, I always put Parramatta in this because Blacktown's always been that sort of more it towards... straddles the boundary, yeah, doesn't it? It always it, has. It always has, and I know that having lived in there my whole life in the in the Blacktown region, and I've been on the outskirts of Penrith, you know, that's where you sort of got that a bit of Parramatta, a bit of Penrith in it. And and that's where the rivalry is, and, and that's why everybody goes back to the fact, oh, yeah, I go for Parramatta, I go for Penrith. And that's where the kids are, are drawn on that as they're young and as they grow up. 
that could be still the case. But the big thing is with the junior competition is that everything's going well. You're getting the kids in participating. And yes, you've got the Polynesian background. And that's something that's been discussed a long time about what we're going to do. And do you bring weights in? And how do you bring the weight system in? I find that if you do have a weight system, you need to do it over two, uh, over two years. So you make it a, a weight system that's going to be for 10s or 11s and 12s. And then you, you split it over that way because it's the only way it's going to work. You can't put it because over you'd have to go years. up to under twelves. That's yeah. where the modified rules cuts yeah. out, and the international yeah. rules comes in at under thirteen. But, but you couldn't you couldn't go between eight and twelve. You couldn't uh, because it, it's just a big step uh, between two years is probably fair because players develop differently and develop quickly or develop slowly. It depends, or they just don't develop at all, like myself. Uh, and that's the that's the reality. You got to have your superstars. You're going to have the ones that look like they could be superstars. And then, and then you need your, just try. And then you need your butchers, your bakers, and yep. your candlestick makers, don't you? Yeah, exactly. All right, so... And the other thing is, too, and what people forget as well, because we've got a solid school system, and, and, and your school competitions are very important, especially in the Catholic systems, and we see a lot of these players go to the Catholic schools, and, and this could be another page as well that you go down. But the big thing is you've got competitiveness and you've also got and, and with the primary school system it's good because you're fighting for positions and you actually selected a merit. Then it comes down to what happens in the high school and, and who goes into the MCS competitions and what players are good enough and one of the big issues is is when you come down to junior reps and some of these players they get the uh, the scholarships to go to the schools and then all of a sudden in the schools they get selected to the top side while you know, kids that are working very hard not selected because they haven't been in a junior competition or in the junior rep. Or they're not on a scholarship. And, and, and that's where some players turn off and go okay we'll, we'll try something else and it's there's plenty of different sports to play in these necks of the woods. you got players that will go, well, you know what? I'll go and play football. Or I'll go and play rugby union to an extent, but still you do have a rugby union background here, even though now that you don't have a Penrith EMU side in the shoot shield, which actually has hurt in recent time. Because that's another story, that's, though. That's, that's no development for them to go there. They've only got the Western side, the two Blues, which still hasn't hit any straps yet in terms of the, the fans' perspective. But at the same time, they've got other sports to go to, and they do go to the other sports. And there are options and, there. And now that the fact that you've got a school like Patricia, Patricia Brothers Blacktown, where, okay, you get all the rugby league players come in with the scholarships and that, but now you've also got players there that come from an AFL background, and all of a sudden there's competitiveness for the different sports. And AFL is starting to get a big grounding what? at that's Blacktown. What are you seeing, though, at the school level because uh, what you're hearing at the school level? Because in other districts, it's very much a case of schools don't have a sports history, they don't have a sports culture. Mm. It's the last teacher that puts his or her hand down that ends up being the sports master or the sports mistress. And sport varies from being just a bunch of kids running around an oval just uh, in a willy-nilly fashion just to get some exercise through to pushing of certain sports over other sports, i.e. the rugby league or anti-rugby league biased in inner to metropolitan city that does exist, depending on who the sports master or sports mistress is. What is that like in the Penrith district, which is still rugby league heartland? I want to go back to this. 
you got two clubs, Parramatta and Penrith, and one of the things that these clubs do so well is they still stick with the schools. Okay, not in terms of um, getting players out there and, and that. Should sort of they things. be doing that? And they should be doing that. That's another point. But in terms of having that relationship of going, all right, let's do these scholarships and that. They're putting themselves in there and they're putting themselves into the system and they're watching the school system. They watch the A-grade, well, not the A-grade competitions, you want to call them, the schoolboys competitions, and they watch what they're doing. They watch what these players are doing and they watch their development. These kids are playing two games a weekend in some respects and they're watching how they go and, and even now they're starting to, to look at how much work they're doing and what they need to do and, and, and how to make sure that they don't overdo it in terms of playing games and make sure that they're playing enough football to be selected but not doing enough that they're going to injure themselves and hurt them in the future. Absolutely. So at least you have that development there and and at least you have that relationship there and at least you have a lot of teachers with a traditional rugby league background and a lot of these traditional schools, you know, Fairfield Pats, Blacktown Mm. Pats, Parramatta Marist, and, the Doms, and, and, who have that rugby league history Doms, in competitions like not only the MCS, but the old schoolboy cup, which has fallen by the wayside. And has fallen by the wayside. And the television factor hasn't helped. The fact that now we don't have games on TV. Yes, you do have the, the live streams, and it's great that we do get to watch the games live, but you don't have the television factor anymore. The other thing about Doms as well, too, yes, you can say traditionally a rugby league school, but now they've gone down the track of ba- uh, basketball. And basketball is probably what they're stronger at and that's great because at least it's other sports in the mix but you can see the fact that other sports are coming in and you look at cricket during the summer as well and that's the other aspect too you look at what's happening from a local perspective in cricket here Penrith have still got and 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 for the last last two first grade grand final victories have been won in the Belvedere Cup by Parramatta, first time in 50 years. Yep. Penrith, first time in 30 years. Let's forget about let's forget about the Sydney Great Competition. I'm going down the track of the District Cup, right? Yep. And for them, Penrith are saying we're in a bit of a lull in the PM because we're going to go to possibly an eight grade competition. Now, there's a lot of places out there that wish they had eight grades. Yes. Blacktown has seven grades. You're thinking, how does Blacktown have seven grades? And you know, Parramatta's got the the grades. A lot of those. Have had to be mixed in other districts. We're seeing the same thing elsewhere. Yet Penrith are still able to sustain that, and it's because of the participation rates for sports. But it's the numbers, and it comes back to the numbers that other districts wish they would have. From a cricket perspective, there's a lot of uh, individuals from you know subcontinental background who also make their way out to the west, who bring that love of the game with them, just like. The parents of those that loved rugby league have moved out into into these parts and have formed the base, which, quite frankly, the NRL is going to bank their future talent pool on going forward over the next 10 or 20 years and abandon the rest of Sydney, in my opinion, as a result. Again, that's another point for another time. OK, let's get back then to the A-grade situation and the and and where we're going down the path of with Windsor's departure in 2020. On what you're hearing, are we going to have the same six sides that are there now backing up in 2020? Uh, I mean, I've speculated on the Blacktown workers, which would bring uh, the competition possibly then back to five. Mm -hmm. Then what happens? Does the New South Wales Rugby League's tentacles come in and say, hey, listen, do you want to include those five sides somewhere else? Where do we go? Well, for, for a start, 
would go back to six teams next year because wins not being in the A-grade comp. It's only Blacktown that drop. So we go back to a six-team comp next okay. year. Right. And And as I said, I don't think there's the other teams that were willing to move up. And who knows what's going to happen. And we also don't know what Brothers are going to do. Because at the end of the year, Brothers could think that the two years that they've spent in New South Wales Rugby League hasn't worked for them. You don't know what they're going to do yet, especially the fact that wins are coming in. It's still up in the air. That's still up in the air. And for Brothers, if they went back to the A-grade competition, they'd probably win next year. Well, that's always the oft-argument. Do you hunt trophies and be the big fish in the small pond, or do you test yourself against the big boys? Mm-hmm. Look, Penrith Brothers have had an improved year. If they scrape into the finals in the Ron Massey Cup, and they're right in the mix there at the moment, they're in that mm-hmm. dogfight with, uh, ironically, Blacktown Workers mm-hmm. and Hills District Bulls alongside Glebe Burwood, could be four teams fighting for that last spot in the top eight. Um, and if Penrith Brothers sneak in, that might make up their mind for them. Exactly right. And, and, and I agree with that. But again, we go back to what can happen next year and, and if there's any teams that are willing to move up. Minchinbury is not going to move up. Now, they've tried to be in the A-grade comp. It didn't work. They were actually a feeder club for Blacktown. And there's also the other thing, too, about this feeder situation for the New South Wales Rugby League because we've seen this in the last couple of years. The feeders back to uh, the A-grade sides so haven't worked or they've done it illegally or whatever. They've been bottom feeders more than anything else, really. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and I can't see Hawkesbury next year uh, jumping up. You know, so they might. I can't see Penrith Waratahs at all. And as I said, a Quakers Hill, a Riverston or a Doonside, no. They're not. And Doonside's not even in the seconds. So they're not even going to think about it. So it, it's a sad reality, but there's nobody willing to step up. And also, the, it goes back to the price tag. If you owe it a price tag or you just said, we're well, not going to have an A2 competition, A1 and A2 are going to be together next year, then you bump up to a 10-team competition, possibly. And well, that's what we want. We, we prefer a 10-team comp. The Manly North's uh, competition did that when they started running out of numbers, and look at where that ended, though. That's the counter-argument to that, that you start the slide down to oblivion mm. if you combine competitions. But let's go to that point. Let's go to what the Penrith Junior League should do. You say they are intractable and stuck on this traditional Sunday afternoon, 2.30 mm-hmm. kickoff. For all A1 First Division games, because that's how it's been done since, um, you know, Roger Cowan was a, was a lad back in the 1960s and mucked around with Merv Cartwright. It was 2.30 back then. It was 2.30 through the Chocolate Soldier days. It still should be 2.30 now. But some clubs just doesn't work well for them for various reasons. Players can't commit because they're working. They want to have Saturday night games because they can get more people into the gate and sell more through the bar mm-hmm. and sell more uh, steak sandwiches and sausage sandwiches. Mm-hmm. Saturday nights suit players with families better yep. so that they can have some family time on Sunday afternoons mm-hmm. and not be worried about uh, having to uh, play and then get up to go to work on a Monday with a sore body because a lot of these players, 95% of them still work full-time jobs or part-time jobs during the week. Um, Where does, in your opinion, from what you're hearing and what clubs are telling you, Mm -hmm. the Penrith Junior League need to do to keep this A-grade competition viable? Just listen. Well, I think that's a simple fact. Just listen to what uh, the clubs want. And, and you don't do everything that the clubs want because, you know, clubs are always about they don't do, And you're saying but, they're not doing that right now. But but you got you got to listen to them. Like, really, you can, you can have some Saturday night games. And I think everybody would love the idea of having a Saturday night game. Or a Friday night game. 
you know how much I'd love to see that happen, especially when you've got a couple of grounds that can sustain that. We, we spoke about Windsor before, but this new ground at Kellyville. Sensational, isn't it? I've called from there, so have you. And they should play Friday night games there. St. Pat's on a Friday night would love it. It'd be a great thing, especially if you have some of the local games there. But you've got other grounds that have got lights, and they could probably do the same thing. But it won't happen because they want to play your 2.30 Sunday at various grounds, and then also it's the same as Grand Final Day. Now, in 2017, it was just a situation where you had Penrith take on the Dragons, oddly enough, in an NRL game on a Sunday that moved the game to St Mary's Stadium, yeah. the Grand Final. I went the last year at Penrith Stadium. It's great always going to Penrith Stadium, and it's traditional because, you know, these players get to play on the big boys' ground. Yes. But at St Mary's Stadium... It was more of that, that atmosphere. There was a bigger atmosphere there. And probably where the grand final probably should be played going forward. Because it's a tighter atmosphere, closer to the pitch than you are at mm-hmm. Panthers Stadium. The bigger expanses of the big grandstands at Penrith Park, as I traditionally mm-hmm. call it, you know. But there's the argument that Penrith Park is the spiritual home of the game uh, in the Penrith district. All right, so let's say the Penrith Junior League then mix it all up and they allow clubs to play Saturday night, Friday night games. They go away from the 2.30 Sunday afternoon Mm. fixed time slot. Should they then take that step further in mixing it up and allow teams who think they can play at the top first division level to play without the need to put a reserves team in? Yeah, I agree. I I don't... Should they do that? I think the reserves system... It needs to be there and doesn't need to be there at the same time. I don't know if you really need to have a reserve yep. squad to play in the first grade competition. To be brutally honest, I don't think so. Yes, it's a good help, but I don't think you need it. I think especially if you've got a team in, in A3s or in C grade, I think it's, just an, it's enough. It's enough of a standard. Should uh, then, if you mix it all up uh, together... Do we go down the path, as I mentioned before, that Manly North's tried it and that was the beginning of the the long road to oblivion for them because with less and less teams, doesn't that magnify the gap even further of the teams that have money against the teams that don't, Mm -hmm. the clubs that do have cash against the clubs that Mm -hmm. have to raise chook raffles just to pay for their insurance? And I also think the other thing is too what what people forget, and you spoke about it last week with Terry, and and, and Terry made a great point. The fact that the limited resources we get about the uh, the coverage of these competitions, that's even making it worse. Because if you're a club that that is putting it out there and promoting it. You're not getting anything in return and you're not getting any bites because still people don't know who you are because there's no support from the, the governing body. That doesn't help at all. No. No, no. it doesn't. And, 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 and remember, so we're, asking, we're, we're asking a lot of volunteers here. Yeah. In a world where the 24-7 work cycle has just in, encroached upon all facets of, of life in not just Sydney, but in a lot of Western cities, a lot of Western Mm. societies with the explosion of social media, the explosion of online shopping, the um, expansion very quickly of... uh, of people to uh, cities where jobs and where there work and where there is work, uh, the twenty four seven work cycle has meant that it's less and less time for volunteers to actually volunteer. Yeah, but also you put it this way: now in twenty nineteen, we're finding out results of an A grade competition 
the day after the game in some respects online because some teams don't do the social media thing and that's fine but the website should be updated quite regularly and should be updated at 5pm on a Sunday night and not just the A grade all grades should be up there with the scores now we go back 20 years ago Tony 1999 yep on Hawkesbury Radio, every game had a round of grounds of A-grade. And, and you had all the scores at 4.30 in the afternoon after their footy. Yeah, it, it, it doesn't happen anymore because... Like, besides the Them fact, were the days. I still remember round the ground scores calling Manly North's A-grade on a Sunday afternoon as recently as 2011 yeah. and 2012. That's only seven and eight years ago. And, it doesn't happen now. And you're finding out the results... Maybe the next day, maybe even a couple of days later. It depends. Oh, and then three or four days even after that, depending on uh, which... Uh, and you don't know who scores the tries. So you exactly. don't know who was even in the side. Depending on which club currently... decides to update their Twitter handle or their Facebook page. And some of them even need prompting to do that by asking a simple message on Facebook, score, what happened? Yeah. Yeah, who won the game? And, 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 and it's sad because you don't get that information that you'd love to have. And you get more information. And I know we, we keep on harping about the other competitions, but you look at the group comps and you, you get more information about that because they run it because they know that's important. And, and, and it's important to that whole local area and that community and that's where Penrith has always been like that but now it doesn't feel like that because it's getting lost in the mail I like how you put that lost in the mail snail mail email social media mail whatever the case may be but you're right it is getting lost that gets back to the resourcing of junior leagues the administration of junior leagues the administration of clubs look we're never going to say that clubs should be given funds to pay people, but certainly junior leagues, the New South Wales Rugby League, I keep harping on this like a broken record over and over again. We see, we see a billion dollars uh, given to the NRL, yet all it does, it seems to create layer upon layer of bureaucracy at NRL and to a lesser extent, New South Wales Rugby League level. And that, and none of that gets down to here, to the to the grassroots, and none, and I'm sure that some clubs would love to have some person, central person, paid for as a part-time officer by the Penrith Junior Rugby League to send in all scores by 6pm on a Sunday night so that part-time paid media officer, for want of a better term, can put those scores up on the website. Now, Tony... Right here. Or maybe I'm just talking too much sense here. And maybe I'm a dinosaur. Tony, right here. An app that I brought up is the Fuse Sport app. Now, this is used by rugby union teams across Sydney. Not just in the Sydney uh, Shoot Shield competitions. It is used in the Subbies competition. And it goes from not just your Farrant Cup, not just your Clark Cup, all that. Kentwell, Barraclough. All all those. All those leagues are in there. And okay, we're falling in traps sometimes where the teams are updating on the run, but it's being updated on the run. You're getting try scorers almost on the run. Scores are being updated. I can follow the Hawkesbury Valley side while I'm out and about, and I can see the scores every five minutes going, oh yeah, now it's 18 nil. Oh yeah, now they've, they've scored a try Beecroft. Whatever. You can follow that. You can't do that with the A-grade competition. You can't do that with a lot of competitions, and that's what's needed. Little things like that, and you've got somebody, I, I remember one day calling a rugby match, and the guy a couple of doors down was the guy I was updating it, because I sent him the call who updates it, and he waved his hand up going, yeah, it's me. See, that's what you want. 
But we don't have it in the pinnacle. Co- we don't have it in any we of the We don't have it in any competition any in Sydney, and that's the lack of promotion that Terry Liberopoulos touched on in the last you, episode. The perfect example is this combined competition. This Sydney combined competition that nobody knows what it is. Yes. Nobody speaks about it. Who, who, who knows about it? Nobody. Like, the, King Gro- the Kingsgrove Colts could be ripping up, and we don't know about it. Well, you don't know that three of the four, three of the top four sides in the combined Southwest competition are Manly sides. Avalon, Forestville moved into the first division, and Cromer leading the competition, which means that a grand final could be at Brookvale Oval this year. But nobody knows about that. You have to dig into websites and wait for results two and three days later. Now you mentioned subbies. I ask you now, um, before we wrap things up uh, you mentioned subbies is this where we're headed is this the path we're going down 5 10 15 20 years time that Terry Liberopoulos touched upon is it inevitable that all these competitions across Sydney are combined and are given weights weightings and gradings like the sub districts rugby competition where you know you've got seven divisions of sub districts rugby below shoot shield and colts right across sydney there's going to be a counter question to this as well but i'm going to put it this way for the development of the game and for the development of players I think we need to have cross development district play, cross, so to speak. Cross development out and say survival. And, and inter district play is the only way that rugby league is going to survive. And also, the only way we're going to start seeing more players pop up in the Sydney Shield beyond the age of 25 that didn't get the opportunities into the junior rep system, didn't get into the Jersey Fleet system, but they've worked their way up from a district competition or a sub-east competition as it should be. Because really, you don't see that as much anymore. The yeah. old days, like we, we mentioned before Trindle, okay? Craig Trindle was playing A-grade in, I think, 1999. Yep. Now, he ended up playing New South Wales Cup and playing nearly two grand finals for the Windsor Wolves. Yep. You look at that. That's right. You look at the development of a player like that, and he played an NRL game. That's what we don't have, because we're all about these academies, we're all about this and that. Now, if we have... And we're all about getting kids at 13, 14, 15, and warehousing them and paying them big dollars to develop them over seven years, when we don't look at... The likes of players in Ron Massey and Sydney Shield, and we don't look at the likes of players in A-grade football. People bemoan the fact that there isn't enough quality to fill 16 teams, let alone 18. And I've always been uh, someone to say, if you look around hard enough and you look around solidly enough, you can find talent in places like the Ron Massey, the Sydney Shield, and even Park A-grade if you look hard enough but a lot of people for various agendas don't bother to do that. And that gets back to the lack of publicity, the lack of awareness that these competitions are on. And also the other thing is too, could you imagine if we had a sub-east competition and the players that are winding down their careers and don't want to play in the Ron Massey and Sydney Shield or they're beyond that, but they want to go back and play rugby league, instead of going to the group areas, the bush area to play footy, they stay and play in the sub-east competition. Wouldn't you want to see that? Like, say, for instance, Aaron Swinney. Yeah, OK, he's playing for Campbelltown. You can still go and watch him play. Yeah. But say, for instance, if you said, oh, Aaron Swinney's going to be playing for the Kingsgrove Colts in a sub-east competition, the Division One of the sub-east competition of rugby league. Yep. I think there'll be a lot of people out there going, oh, beautiful, we can watch him play against uh, the pair of Waratahs this weekend. They're coming out here. Or... 
We can go and watch him play against uh, Barrera and such and, or and whoever it is. And such and such may want to go and knock his head off because of who he is. And you know what? That's the beauty of a player with all that experience and class playing in these sorts of competitions. And, and, and I, I would Giving something that. back to it's the game. Like, it's like the old days where the A-grade, where we saw these players retire in A-grade. Michael Vella came back from England and played for Valley United in the Manly North's A-grade mm-hmm. competition, admittedly for $1,000 a game. But he came back and eased himself into retirement that way. Cliff Lyons eased himself into retirement playing for the Hornsby Lions. still playing? Josh Stewart eased himself into retirement playing for Beacon Hill. These guys, with all this time, eased themselves into retirement. It scratched their itch, but also kept the awareness of these competitions alive, and we've fallen down there. One of the last things that we'll bring up here, and I'll go back to this community thing, and and community is what's always been the key thing about the A-grade competitions, and and it goes to Triple H's long-standing relationship when you had the Manly Norbs A-grade. When Barrera and Asquith were there, yes. When they had a thriving, and you're calling nearly nearly every Sunday the game of the week. We were. It's the same case as when Hawkesbury Radio, when we're calling the past the A-grade comp, the Penrith A-grade, the game of the week, and then also Windsor and Hawkesbury and all that. Yep. And and, and, and we even did A grade games a couple of years ago. We we're doing quite regularly A grade games and we've still called three of the we've still called three of the last we've called two of the last four grand finals. Yeah, and we are going back and calling the grand finals. We've done the last two and we'll probably do the third one this year as well. And it's great, but you need more community aspect and we sadly don't have that and it's just the great shame. Okay, last question. I'm going to ask you the same sort of question that I've asked everybody else. Go right ahead. Do you think we will see the Penrith A-grade competition survive in its current form next year and beyond, yes or no? Current form, no, but the A-grade comp will always survive. I don't think we'll have... Oh, jeez, it is splinters, isn't it? It's it's, it's a splinters type of answer. No, I'm putting it this way. Is the talent going to be there? No, I think it's going to be at a very low standard. But is it still going to survive? Yes, it is. That's the that's the reality. Is it going to be the last one? I probably think it will be. Jeez, oh, well, I think I think I think Penrith won't fall unless South fall. Put it that way. All right, we'll leave it at that. It's been a pleasure as always. We could go on for another three or four hours on this, yeah. as we have done with each of the other episodes. Good people. Go to the uh, Bench Facebook page and put your opinion down there on what you think uh, the future of A-grade rugby league is. It certainly has a question mark right across the Sydney Basin. Nick Kutnyak, it's always been a pleasure to catch up with you and work with you. I'm sure we'll catch up with you again on a future episode of Splinters, whatever the case may be. Uh, Thanks for your time. I'll be there, don't worry. That's all for another edition of Splinters. Thanks for joining us. My name is Tony Dosen, the Sultan. We'll catch up with you next week on Tuesday night at 8 o'clock on Triple H and at triplehfm.com.au and also straight after that on podcasts.com. Until then, it's goodbye.